Welcome to a Couch Divided podcast where secular psychology meets a Christian worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. All right, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that. <laughs> Prepare to be couched. Welcome, everybody, to part two of Anxiety on a Couch Divided. I'm Nick Thomas, and I'm with, and she's already laughing, I'm with the hilarious Dr. Robin Hall. <laughs> Hello, Nick. And Nick, the reason, image bearer, Thomas, yes. The image bearer? Yeah, we haven't even said that name. It's oh, no, we did. Yeah, well, in Much Ado About Self, we said The image bearer. <laughs> the image bearer. So you already started laughing when I... <laughs> because you... Okay, because I... Let me... Pre the, the pauses that you were making... When you were talking, reminded me very much of William Shatner in Star Trek. Well, thank you. So, like, you James know, that White would be very proud. Would he? Okay, yes. So. Would be very proud. I, I can't don't, see. That's the worst William Shatner you've ever heard. I can practice this though. It was just the like cadence of what you were of what you were saying. That once I find myself practicing William Shatner, what's left? Well, and we were talking about uh, Star Trek before the we were we were briefly referring to Star Trek before we started. Um, anyway, yes, everybody, welcome back to Couch Divided Podcast. Um, we are actually re-recording part two. So you you probably noticed a little something, you know, funny. Quirky. <laughs> um, uh, quirky. When we uh, posted part one, we did not have part two. The audio file got corrupted and we're re-recording this. Yeah. However, we have an experience through this too as well <laughs> of a calm heart and calm mind because it was, uh, well, we kind of have to... Um, uh, we don't want to direct you as, you know, uh, uh, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. So if we were to have anxiety and trouble oh, right, over right. this. We don't, we, we're going to try not to be hypocrites. We right, would be so part. much of a hypocrite. So <laughs> yeah. we do have podcast anxiety disorder. And, <laughs> and uh, we've created that. I, don't, I doubt seriously that they'll be adding that to the DSM anytime soon. But Exactly. Um, so we did a play on something. You'll see it in the post on Instagram. So. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, so this is uh, take two of our uh, recording for the second part of the series um it was so interesting because when you messaged me and let me know that the audio file was corrupted normally when i get news like that i even if i have like a very calm and peaceful spirit about it pretty immediately like there's usually at least like a knee jerk like oh, yeah. oh no you know but that that didn't even happen to me this oh, time really? yeah no i was just like well um we know a lot. We're friends with a lot of po podcasters like that. I listen to yeah. a lot of podcasts. This happens all the time. Um, so I feel like you kind of don't even earn your podcasting wings, right? Until like, you lose an episode or you two. Know, yeah, you know you've made it when <laughs> you have a corrupted file that can't make it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we're trusting in God's sovereignty that uh, the first take um, isn't going to be as good as this one. 
And so we hope you'll never know. Well, you'll never know. Um, we I mean, we will though, <laughs> and we'll never let you know. <laughs> I mean, Nick is assuming that I remember in detail and could make an accurate comparison between the two. But anyway, so um, we kind of gave a disclaimer at the beginning of the first episode that uh, we are by no means doing any kind of an exhaustive discussion around anxiety or anxiety disorders. Um, yeah. So anyway, I want to say that again. Um, we plan in the future to do lots of episode series where we get really specific with each disorder, go into like a lot of the the like neuroscience yeah. uh, research, you know, that kind of backs up each of these as a diagnosis and examine that. Very interesting stuff. It really um, is. But we're not we're not doing that today. So basically, um, we're gonna go through the disorders that the DSM. Um, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, uh, Fifth Revision, outlines with regard to anxiety disorders. So we're going to talk about some of the criteria that are listed uh, under each disorder um, to give you guys a summary of what the world thinks, right? This is how, um, this is our most current uh, diagnostic manual. This is how uh, psychologists and psychiatrists are currently diagnosing mental health disorders in the United States and Canada. Um, uh, Europeans have different manuals, but they're very similar. So that might be fun, like an episode in the future where we can yeah, why the, not the diagnostic I, manuals. I, I do like the DSM and the way they really kind of they break it down very introspectively, and there's very specific criteria for this. Right. Well, so the idea is that so that that clinicians can compare notes. Right. That's the reason that we would classify anything right. in a system is so that we can um, decide what's common, like recognize patterns yeah. um, and then hopefully through, you know, analysis of, of those patterns that we recognize, come up with some yeah, information that's useful. Let's just be honest. I mean, <laughs> the human condition experiences anxiousness, <laughs> but not everybody experiences anxiousness in the way of a, a disorder. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Right. So actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So each one of these disorders that we're going to talk about have multiple criterion. Mm -hmm. um, they're uh, designated like A through what A, B, C, D, E. Right. Each disorder has a specific criterion that requires um, that whatever is going on, the symptoms that are being experienced or that are being experienced, excuse me. Right. Um, are Im impairing the individual in some domain of psychosocial functioning, right? right? So you can have all these symptoms, but not believe that they're impacting you or say they're not impacting you. If mm -hmm. they aren't impacting you or they aren't limiting your ability to function, mm -hmm. then it isn't disordered, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, I guess, do we, was there anything else that we needed to? Preface? No, I think we, uh, we hit the nail on the head. I mean, in the, in part one, we were talking about uh, being over anxious and then being uh, 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 with a healthy anxious. Oh, yeah. Um, we alluded to um, particular words in the Bible, Miriam Nao, Miriam Na, Miriam Nao meaning overcare, that God does not want you to overcare about things, right? So that's Matthew 6. Uh, that's why he says to seek his righteousness and his kingdom. Everything is added unto you. You don't need to worry about the things that the world chases after. 
uh, to predicate their stance on life. But then we also uh, analyzed Paul, and he had great anxiousness for the church. Right. Uh, and that word is really not anxious. It's a care, but it's a care that he possessed. It was a noun. He had mm-hmm. care for the churches plus everything that he went through leading up to planting churches right. in his history. That was a proper care, though he, uh, he said it made him weak. So there's this almost it almost feels the same, mm-hmm. but then there's an appropriate response. Well, there's one that's sinful. Yes. Right. And yeah. there's one that's not. Yeah. And then there's one that's not. Um, <clears throat> we're talking about ones that are disordered. Some of them, you can see the human condition and the human sin propagate these things. Mm-hmm. And then others like biological anomalies. Right. Right. So and that's yeah, that's another thing. I think we we made that point in the first episode, but we want to make it again. Um there is a lot of gray area. It's irresponsible yes. to assume that because somebody is dealing with anxiety that we can explain that as a lack of faithfulness or, I mean, really whatever without um, paying like proper attention to mm-hmm. like that individual. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, does a lot of our anxiety come down to uh lack of faith doubting god not trusting god not trusting in his sovereignty or believing his absolutely yeah it absolutely Uh, we could throw ourselves into disorders man yeah so um but that isn't to say that there aren't absolutely other reasons that somebody might be experiencing anxiety so um separation anxiety disorder is the first disorder in this classification uh, for Mm -hmm. anxiety disorders i can't remember if we did I talk about the DSM specifically yes, before? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, just as a short recap, the DSM is the the diagnostic manual that is used by mental health cl- clinicians to diagnose mental health disorders. Right. So there are it classifies every type of mental health disorder that um, has been observed. I guess is the the easiest way to say that. Right. All right. So the first one under anxiety disorders is separation anxiety disorder. And I'm not going to go through all the criteria for each one of these because it's just, it's too much and it's a little bit repetitive. Mm. But I'm hoping that as we go through it, I can, you know, even give some examples or if you have any, like if you relate to it at all, just jump in um, to try and uh, have it make a little bit more sense. Sure. Okay. So uh, separation anxiety disorder. This is developmentally inappropriate and excessive fear or anxiety concerning separation from those to whom the individual is attached, as evidenced by at least three of the following. So this is also really common in the DSM. Um, uh, A statement's made and then there's a symptom requirement. So a number of symptoms have to be met in order for this diagnosis to be made. Right. So what do you think of when you think of separation? Anxiety? Well, I mean, in the word separation, obviously you're separated from something. You're with something with, you know, that you're doing without. Uh, let me give you actually a story. I was uh, witnessing and preaching the gospel to a particular individual whom I've known for a lot of years. I come out of drug addiction and a lot of your friends that uh, saw you um, uh, in that drug addiction, regardless of whether or not uh, they're religious or anything like that, will be happy for you. We live in a culture that yeah. wants to be sober. Uh, we live in the rehab culture today. Well, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's enough institutions out there to keep you preoccupied. I mean, devices. they're happy for you and glad that they're not there. Yes, <laughs> and it, exactly. That's the point here yeah. because I started talking to him about particular cocaine use that he was using and uh, marijuana use. And he goes, well, when you come to Jesus, do you just have to give up everything? Because I'm already anxious just thinking about that, man. 
and it wasn't disordered, you know, like a separate, <laughs> he's got another disorder and it's idolatry and it's you know, a, a byway of his drug addiction. Yeah. Uh, but just that's the defense mechanism a lot of people go through when they have to do without something, it makes them nervous and it can create these things. So when I think of separation, anxiety, maybe not the disorder, or maybe it wouldn't meet the criteria. It's, it's doing something without. Yeah. You know? So that, I mean, I absolutely see why you were, you're relating the two things. They are totally separate. Yeah. So like you could argue that somebody who gives up the substance that they're using goes through separation anxiety from that substance. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what this means. No, yeah, so, definitely not what this, this means. Is, yeah. This is, so, and it specifies developmentally inappropriate, right? right? Like, at certain stages of human development, it's ap- absolutely appropriate for a child not to want to be separated from their primary caregivers, right? right? Um, this is like, I think um, when we were recording the other episode, I mentioned my sister, you know, even at 11 and 12 years old, had serious separation anxiety when she would try and spend the night at a friend's house. Uh, So like I, I, she was probably 13 or 14 before she actually ended up doing it, like Mm -hmm. successfully completing and like clockwork, she would try and my dad would go pick her up, you know, Mm -hmm. at one o'clock in the morning. Parents are so great. Like, let's just applaud what parents do for their kids, you know? I remember that story. You told me when we uh, did act one of this (laughs) (laughs) episode. Now it's all coming back. (laughs) Um, And uh, I go, yeah, I remember that. Uh, my sister as well had that kind of, uh-huh. and she would actually wet her pants to get uh, somebody uh, to oh, come right, and to pick come her in. up. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then also sometimes I do think of attachment disorders too as well, like yeah. childhood neglect uh, that can produce this kind of disorder. Sure. I mean, well, and we're not really even talking about like causes here, right? Yeah. So yeah. there are a lot of parents who have kids that deal with separation anxiety and there's, you know, no real identifiable um like environmental cause for it, right? It Their other kids didn't really struggle with it very much, but for whatever reason, this particular kid does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, these are the symptoms that we pick from when we need to meet the criterion. Um, and remember, the DSM uh, requires that three of them have right. to be present in order to make the diagnosis. So... Um, recurrent excessive distress when anticipating or experiencing separation from home or from major attachment Mm -hmm. figures. So this is like being very, very anxious about knowing that you're going to be separated, Mm. right? Or as soon as you are separated, you are very anxious. Persistent and excessive worry about losing major attachment figures or about possible harm to them, such as illness, injury, disasters, or death. Worrying your parents are going to die. Um, persistent and excessive worry about experiencing an untoward event. What a, I, that word, untoward. Um, I love it. For example, getting lost, being kidnapped, having an accident, becoming ill. Um, this worry causes, um, the, the worry is that this event will cause major separation or separation right. from a major attachment figure. Persistent reluctance or refusal to go out, away from home, to to school, to work, or elsewhere because of fear of separation. Persistent and excessive fear of or reluctance about being alone or without major attachment figures at home or in other settings. So sometimes this would would be like, not only do I not want to go out, but now I don't want you to leave either. Uh, Okay, yeah. Um, persistent reluctance or refusal to sleep away from home or to go to sleep without being near a major attachment figure, repeated nightmares involving the theme of separation, mm. repeated complaints of physical symptoms, for example, headaches, stomach aches, nausea, vomiting, 
when separation from major attachment figures occurs or is anticipated. So one thing to remember in kiddos, um, well, we are all born without, well, without a vocabulary period, but without an emotional vocabulary, right? right? We don't just know that we are worried about something. Right. We need somebody to help us make that connection, right? Um, so kids will very frequently complain of physical symptoms because they are what we call alexithymic yes. without an emotional vocabulary. They can't say, hey, mom, I'm stressed out right. at four years old. Um, because they really don't know what that means. What they say is, mom, I have it like my head hurts yes. or my tummy hurts. Right. And as adults, we we like when I get anxious. Oh, my goodness. My guts. They bubble. Um, How many kids have drank Pepto when they're just stressed out? <laughs> my stomach hurts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did you drink Pepto as no, a kid? No, but okay. I, would, I would see my, oh, buddy, you know, okay, let me give you a little something to soothe your stomach. Sure. Well, I mean, that's just like kids experience psychosomatic manifestations of anxiety, yeah. tummy aches, headaches. So, you know, and that isn't to say that if your kid comes to you complaining of a tummy ache, that that means they're anxious, yeah, but right, right. it's something to, to keep in mind, right? All right. So um, there's typically also like late time, uh, time required, like, like present symptom pre have to be present for a specific length of time with right. each of these disorders. So um, for the separation anxiety disorder, uh, the diagnosis requires that the symptoms have to be have to last at least six weeks in children and adolescents and at least six months in an adult. Mm -hmm. So if you have one episode of separation anxiety, mm -hmm. you're like, you wouldn't be diagnosed with this yeah, disorder. It's, it's not disorder. Right? It's not interfering in your daily, daily life. I mean, it, and it may have in that moment, in that right? Moment, it may have disrupted plans or whatever in that moment, but not perpetually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. So, Anxiety disorder number two. What's behind curtain number two, no, Bob? Yeah. The second podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, right? <laughs> the celestial curtain. The it celestial. houses all the lost podcast episodes. Um, okay. Selective mutism. What do you think of when you when I say selective mutism, Nick? Selective mutism? Mutism. Like I hear mute, like uh, silence. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm yeah. So periods that <laughs> You're choosing to be silent. <laughs> you know, this is actually kind of fun. I like this. Like, now, what do you think that means? Yeah, and then have you tell me. And then I'm putting together word etymology. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Right. We'll just see okay how, how close you get each time. Like, I'm okay at lingu uh, linguistics. Yeah, right. I can do this. So selective mutism. The A, a criterion oh. is consistent failure to speak in specific social situations in which there is an expectation for speaking, for example, at school, despite speaking in other situations. This, okay, so I'm totally going to relate this to the show that I'm currently binging, mm -hmm. which is The Big Bang Theory. And haters are going to hate. I'm not saying yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not a proponent <laughs> of the, like, the literal Big Bang Theory um, at all. But uh, the show can be quite funny. Um, and there's a character, uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to blow his name, Dr. Rajesh Kuthrapali. Man, I pulled me. it. All right. I, I told you I'm not going to make fun of the show that you like, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he has an example of selective mutism. He can't speak in front of women. Oh, wow. Right? So, I mean, it, this is it, it's definitely like a farce. It's a parody, right? Right, right. Um, But that would be like a kind of a, like a more well-known example of selective mutism. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can speak in 
I can speak. It's not that I don't ever speak, right? I'm selectively mute. I can't speak in these circumstances. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So yeah, anybody out there that's watched Big Bang Theory will know. And I'm if you haven't, you can find clips on YouTube that allude to it if you're interested in looking at it. Is this um is this more prevalent in children or all ages? Yeah, so more prevalent in children. How many times could this be mistaken as autism? What do you mean? Well, there's probably no correlation in here, but obviously <clears throat> sometimes when a parent looks at a child and they're not speaking or um, they automatically think autism. And uh, the reason why I mention that is because it's just prevalent around the environment that I'm in now. Have you heard that uh, uh, people trying to correlate this with autism? Well, actually, so the E, the e criterion for this specific disorder is requires that the disturbance is not better explained by a communication disorder. Okay, good. Or does not occur exclusively during the course of autism spectrum disorder. Good. Um, <laughs> schizophrenia or psychotic disorder. So there, there's some checks and balances here. I think what you're like, the point you're making is, is like, how often are people misdiagnosed? Yes, right. I don't know specifically with selective mutism. I have no idea what the statistics are on that. I would have to look. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that it actually mentions that. In right. There. Well, so, so they, the they idea. Do that. Well, yeah. So yeah. you're you're doing differential as a clinician. You're doing differential diagnosis. Yes. Constantly. Yes. Um, the questions that you ask when you're trying to, to figure out what's going on with somebody are is geared toward like including one disorder over another. Right. Right. So is this happening? Yes, no. Yes. yes, then we go this direction. No, then we go this direction. Right. Um, so the, the diagnoses are structured that way. Right. So, so that you, the idea is so that you are considering like this could be because of this. This could be because of that. Good. Um, so hopefully you don't make this diagnosis unless you've examined all of those things and like, you know, eliminated other possibilities. Good. Right. But. Of course, misdiagnosis happens. It happens right. in every discipline of of medical practice. Yeah, at all. period. Yeah. It yeah. happens, you know. And <clears throat> I think sometimes that can be much more damaging than others. Not that it should, oh, yeah. be, you know, not to invalidate anybody's experience with that. But um, yeah, I think there are definitely things that get misdiagnosed that, that cause a lot of harm. Definitely. <clears throat> all right, curtain number three. So this one will be, this one's probably one that people are a little bit more familiar with. Um, at least there's a lot of reference to it in pop culture. Um, so this is a uh, specific phobia. So you've heard, well, and you've studied like Greek and Latin, but you've heard phobia and, or phobic sure. before, right, yeah. Nick? So mm -hmm. what does that mean? That's uh, a fear of something. So a phobia is a Latin word. It means to be fear of, you know, and then we usually put the prefix of what that is in front of phobia. Or like, we, right, or or it's as a suffix, yeah. So arachnophobia <laughs> would be a fear of spiders. Correct, right. So um, someone, someones have been very creative, kind of gone through like the gamut of potential phobias and like figured out what their Latin names would be, so... If you know anybody that's got a specific fear about something, you can look it up on Google and find out, like, you know, what specific phobia it is. And, and, and forgive <clears> me, I, I, I think it's, I, yeah, it was from the Latin and directly from the Greek. Yeah, phobia. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this Latin or Greek? But no, it's, it's both etymology. Yeah. Um, so the A criterion for specific phobia 
is marked fear or anxiety about a specific ob- specific object or situation. For example, flying heights, animals, receiving an injection, seeing blood. In children, the fear or anxiety may be expressed by crying, tantrums, freezing, or clinging. Which, if your kid is scared, um, or if a child is frightened, you can really frightened, you can pretty typically see that. Um, or at least any of those behaviors would indicate it. Um, the phobic object. So when coming encounter with the, like whatever the, the object is that you're phobic around, um, you almost always have intense fear or anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, I, and this is another point when you have a phobic response to something, I'm not talking about like a startle reflex, like, Oh, that's scary. Okay. I'm talking about a, well, I'll just confess. I have my own uh, fear of heights. I think we talked about this a little oh, bit yeah. before too. Um, it's very interesting. It's very selective. I have no trouble flying in planes. I actually enjoy flying in planes. Um, Which is weird because you're kind of tall. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> height has nothing to do. Like your personal <laughs> height has nothing to do with a fear of heights. Um, actually, all phobias are learned. So um my fear of heights could have come from me imagining what it would have been like to fall off something or watching a movie where somebody felt it does. I'm not sure. Um, but it's definitely there. So I have there, I've definitely had nightmares where the only thing I'm doing is riding up and down glass elevators on extremely tall buildings. Wow. So like, <clears throat> have you ever, have you ever seen the, uh, the like <laughs> videos? I'm sure there are TikTok videos about it now, but like, Back in my day, the YouTube videos of the like Japanese businessmen oh, yeah. that are crying on yeah. the sidewalk yeah, yeah. because they're so frozen with fear. So that's me. That's that's if I were, um, if I'm in a building much taller than like three or four stories next mm-hmm. to like a full wall length window, like mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna I'll start to get dizzy. Like I need right. to I need to back away from it really quickly. Oh yeah. So anyway, um, I. I'll tell you this. I remember having um, an extreme fear of dark rooms that even led into my early adulthood. Now, it, as a child, we kind of consider that normal. All right, it's dark in here. There's something under my bed and stuff like that. But I actually remember the point to when I started becoming afraid of. Oh that. yeah. It, I was, Again, all phobias are learned. Yeah, I was five years old uh-huh. and I was uh, in kindergarten, and. I remember not caring what was under my bed or anything. I, I mean, it wasn't even a thought. I, I didn't even care about going to sleep in a dark room until in music class. I don't even know if they do music class in elementary schools anymore. Um, but uh, in music I class. I so. Uh, I remember the, the political atmosphere trying to get rid of it uh, yeah. one time, but I don't know if they succeeded. I hope, yeah. I hope so. It was great. Yeah. But I watched Phantom of the Opera. Now, in music class. Now You did? As yeah. an elementary school student, they showed that to you? five-year-old Oh, my kid. gosh. That's this, interesting. This is the 90s. I they, don't think I would have chosen that route. Yeah, this is the 90s. Permission slips to watch a movie were scarce. They existed, <laughs> but they were scarce. They just frightened you. Yeah. Um, well, Phantom of the Opera is not necessarily scary unless you watch the black and white silent film and she takes off that stupid mask, and I still can't look at it go without going, you know, without shaking a little bit. I've gotten over that fear since then. Thirty-three years old, uh, 
<laughs> but I remember that night could not sleep and for the next 15, 20 years. <laughs> I didn't sleep that night or for the next or, 15 or, to 20 years. Or, or the foreseeable future. <clears throat> right. But when you said phobias are learned, I go, yeah, yeah, I learned right. about being afraid of the dark because of that stupid class. On a Monday, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a Monday. What might be hiding in the dark? It's what, the Phantom. It's the Phantom. Yeah, yes. and uh, he's yeah. there. Therefore, yes. that bled into ghosts and vampires and werewolves and all that stuff. So, there um, I love Phantom, by the way, but it's I great. did, I did not watch it as a five-year-old. Yeah, I can watch it now and say this is beautiful, but right. it, it is. Uh, right. I mean, who shows a murderous Phantom? <laughs> Anyways, I'm getting off okay. On actually, the so we are we're digressing a little bit, but I feel like. I have this is an opportunity for another uh, personal story to be vulnerable about my my own anxieties. Um, so <clears throat> you guys will find out about me that not only am I a tr- like a true crime lover, mm. I also am a horror lover. Yeah, I love horror movies yeah. love horror mo- of all variety. Um, I've actually been called a horror snob, um, even in my close personal circles, yeah. uh, because um, I'm. I'm a little bit picky. I love watching all of them, yeah. but I like I won't call it a good horror movie unless yeah. it meets certain criteria. Yeah. And it's really di- it's a very difficult genre. It's yeah. an extremely difficult yes, genre is. to it's hard execute. to pull off a good horror movie. It, really, it is. really, really is. So, you know, I'll say that and then I'll also retain my like yeah. name tag of of horror snob. But yeah. Anyway, um, my parents, my father specifically, didn't really monitor my sister and I when we were really little with regard to what we were watching, right? And I don't mean like, uh, well, this is long before you could do anything like download a movie. Right. You know, I don't, I don't mean like he was letting us pick anything out that we wanted, but he didn't really, he didn't make us leave the room. Okay. If there was something that he was watching or that my mom was watching that probably wasn't appropriate for right. So one such experience uh, was with uh, the made for the original made for TV movie, Stephen King, mm-hmm. The Stand. OK, so oh, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to back up. Um, <clears throat> I'm like getting overcome a little bit, even thinking about. This. Wow. <laughs> so you're watching a lot. I love horror. Right. Um, yeah. The exception to that. Well, it's not even really an exception to loving it. I don't part of that genre like if it's really like a horror sci-fi crossover yeah is zombies right that's a huge i mean the walking dead has a huge following people love zombie stuff i enjoy zombie stuff as well but i absolutely utterly cannot watch it because it gives me without fail zombie themed apocalyptic nightmares (laughs) so i'm either like running away from the zombie about to be bit or i'm or i i have been bit and now i'm trying to like tie loose ends up before i become a zombie you know um anyway so i've like like as an adult of all the horror stuff that i enjoy i just tend to avoid zombie related stuff because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all. It will trigger these types of nightmares, right? So it's it took me a while, but I figured out where my weird zombie thing came from. Um, and it originates in this original ni- 1990s made-for-TV movie. I was like, it was 94's made-for-TV. Yeah, Stephen yeah. King The Stand. So um, I remember as a kid, like I was... Fu- you said 94? Yeah. So what did that make me? 
eight. I was eight years old in 1994. Um, Molly Ringwald. I, I remember watching this movie. I remember specifically there was a scene where like all these guys are in hazmat suits, right? This disease is like killing everybody. Um, and there's all these guys in hazmat suits that are like picking up bodies. Well, I remember for like weeks after watching that movie, I was dreaming about those hazmat suits and this disease, right? Wiping mm-hmm. out right. the planet. So what's what's the origin story like of every zombie? Mm-hmm. It's like it's always this disease, right? That goes wrong. I think in like World War Z, like World War was it World War Z? It's like a vaccine or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I fast. or or maybe like I Am Legend, which is actually a remake of the Omega Man. Yeah. Um, I think that might have been a vaccine gone wrong. So anyway, it's a disease, right? That turns people into zombies, and it wipes out most of the population. It's like so 20 like days, twenty-eight weeks later, twenty-eight days later. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And great movie, yeah. such. Good but they're all movie. rapid, fast. Yeah, and so. really, really good movies. <laughs> great movies. Oh no, I would die. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way I could outrun one of those yeah. zombies. Um, anyway, be with Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> Take me home. Um, so yeah. I have this weird thing with watching zombies because it triggers this like phobic response that happened first happened to me when I was like a kid watching this movie and had this really bad like reinforcer of the nightmares that happened, right? So right. um, you know, I was I was confused for a long time as an adult why like zombie movies specifically bothered me so much. But anyway, <laughs> all phobias are learned. Yeah, so. I never got into zombie movies, but I like Shaun of the Dead. But oh who, my gosh, who, who would? Who doesn't like Shaun of the Dead? <laughs> so the exception to my zombie thing is stuff like Shaun of the, Shaun Dead, of the Dead or yeah. um, what's the one with, with Woody Harrelson in it? Uh, Zombie Land. Yeah, yeah, those are funny. I can yeah. handle that. I don't have any like nightmares related to that. But um, anything that's more got a more serious bent, like Twenty Eight Days Later. Or so, anyways, if we dead. generated any kind of anxiety, well, that's the point of this episode, and that's why we waited to record. Anyway, it right? So, for these stories. Well, you guys know a little <laughs> bit more about Nick and I both. You know, going forward, so the Phantom. Those are specific phobias. Um, now you we have to specify as um like when you're making the diagnosis what type of phobia it is so there are specifiers for this diagnosis um if you are afraid of spiders then you would have a specific phobia animal type um there is natural environment so being afraid of heights storms water blood injection injury so being mm. afraid of needles invasive medical proce- procedures um, uh, situational. So th- like airplanes, elevators, enclosed spaces. So you've heard things like agoraphobia, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not diagnosing you. Well, I'm not diagnosing anybody, but I'm not, if you were to come into a clinician's office and talk about a specific phobia, like I'm afraid of crowded places. Mm. I'm not diagnosing you as agoraphobic. I'm diagnose- diagnosing you as specific phobia, a situational type. Right, right. Okay. So that's one of the things that like I hope we can do with the podcast is help people understand that just because you've heard something referred to in one way in pop culture or pop psychology, that doesn't right. mean that it's clinically based at all. Yeah. Um, the disorders that we're going over with you today are the only disorders housed in this anxiety category, right? That doesn't mean that you don't have anxiety symptoms occurring in other disorders. That happens a lot. Uh, But these are the only 
diagnoses that can be made under that umbrella. Right. I mean, we do this as as people, sometimes uh, as a pejorative, sometimes just as a catch-all. Like, for instance, uh, we'll take a disorder and, you know, you know, we'll call somebody a psycho or call and, and obviously being a psycho is not a disorder, but uh, or <laughs> I'm starving, but you're not. You're just hungry kind of thing. Like oh, that. right. 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 And so we do this all the time. And the, uh, the psychological disorders are, you know, they're not immune. Well, they're no we different. Do. Right. Yeah. So like um, I've had this experience so often. Um, we do a lot of research on our own and we come across um disorders quote unquote that somebody like online has decided is a, is a disorder that doesn't make it so right right so there are a lot of things that people can kind of identify with um but when you go in to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist that's not a diagnosis that can be made right exactly um anyway so i don't do we cover everything oh yeah i think with phobia yeah so and we'd love to hear what you guys are afraid of. Like, please don't be sinful in your fear. Um, but people can develop phobia, phobic responses to literally anything. So, um, and we will definitely do an episode series on yeah, phobias. Don't send anything, anything that would create a phobia for me. <laughs> like, no. Don't send me phantom pictures. Please don't send me. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Nick. <laughs> Everybody needs to send Nick like sound clips from phantom oh, of the she opera pulled off that mask I'm, I, I tell you man i ran to the back of the room you know i remember that and oh, i sat man. next to my friend who i thought was brave oh he stared right at the screen right. didn't flinch that's hilarious oh phantom okay it is scary though like i mean if we're gonna be honest the story of phantom like a creeper living in an opera house killing people writing music silent film black and white yeah. and it's all grainy it is and everything. pretty creepy <laughs> Pretty creepy. Sorry if we spoiled it for anybody that hasn't Ugh. seen fandom. All right. Next disorder under anxiety disorders is social anxiety disorder, formerly known as social phobia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our A criterion here is marked fear or anxiety about one or more social situations in which the individual is exposed to possible scrutiny by others. Mm. Examples include social interactions. For example, having a conversation, meeting unfamiliar people, being observed, for example, eating or drinking, and performing in front of others, for example, giving a speech. So any circumstance that you feel like you're going to be possibly judged by peers or like same-age cohort. Mm. Actually, it doesn't even be same-age cohort. Like, anybody. Um, in children, this anxiety must occur in peer settings and not just during interactions with adults. Because very frequently, kids have anxiety around talking to adults. Right. And we consider that normal. Um, we we over pathologize like crazy here. Um, so I hope the message, I hope we're conveying the message that experiencing anxiety once in a while does not make you disordered. Right. Well, it makes a, you human. And that was a, that was the point of that first part because uh, the word of God does show that there is a sinful um a type of anxiety yes. and a healthy type of worry or care uh-huh. um that sinful type of anxiety can produce a disorder yes yes like yes and i would probably find that more so in like a separation anxiety kind of thing like that uh you know idolatries and stuff like that i mean i mean look at what we can do to ourselves mm-hmm. in the in, in the sinful sense 
And of course, you do, like I said uh, before, have biological anomalies. And that's why it's this criteria is very important to right. see and discern where, where you kind of lie. Right. And really, only a person with the word of God can speak to, hey, if you don't worship other gods, you may not experience. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it may, right, right, I right. Mean, through the proc- uh, process of sanctification, you could be healed. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And so when we when we talk about idol worship in this way, um, we don't actually mean like a literal golden calf. No, no. Yeah. whatever um, you have an affinity towards above God. Right, yeah. right, an affinity elsewhere. When you're self medicating your anxiety, yeah. for example, rather than. With alcohol or other drugs, right? right. Self-medicating that way. Um, right. You are not, I mean, that's, a, in my in my opinion, that's a deliberate mm-hmm. uh, mistrust of Jesus and his ability to provide you what he's promised, which is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It testifies to what you've been created for. And when you go outside of that design, stuff happens, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well just, said. Yeah. Boom, that was a mic drop moment. Yeah. Mic drop. Everybody sent him clips of Phantom. Yeah, yeah. Then how do you explain a fake <laughs> a fake a Phantom on a black and white film? I don't know. I was five. So I'm going to read a couple more of the criterion under this one. Um, the B criterion is the individual fears that he or she will act in a way or show anxiety symptoms that will be negative, negatively evaluated. So right. um, the fear is... I'm going to make myself look like a fool because I'm nervous. Mm. Um, this It's really this vicious cycle of like anxiety about anxiety. Mm. Right? And they purposely would make themselves look like a fool. I mean, in that way, it definitely can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if okay. you're so nervous that uh, uh, that you're, you're going to make yourself look like an idiot mm. and you start acting nervous, then you might make yourself look like an idiot i don't yeah. you know well, sometimes um, I, think I don't of, i don't know that that's always exactly what's going on sometimes i think of comedians who uh, have developed a way to cope with either what they're nervous about anxiety depressed about in the ways of humor so when you said like <laughs> and we make ourselves look like fools <laughs> all the time oh yeah sometimes i think and, and maybe i'm touching on something uh, maybe not specifically according to that criteria and i'm like oh maybe that's well making you know. fun of yourself i think is a great way to kind of ease any, any yeah. anxiety that you might be feeling sure, in a social yeah. setting um but Again, in order for you to qualify for a disorder, this has to be impacting you in a very negative way, like areas of your psychosocial functioning at work, at school, at home, um, while you're driving. Like it has to be impacting you in a way that's causing you significant, clinically significant distress, Right, right? right? Everybody gets socially anxious sometimes, right? Because everybody's put their foot in their mouth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, goodness gracious, I can't even count how many times I've done it just in the recording of the podcast. We've all been embarrassed either by somebody uh, or our, you know, our own doing. Right, right. Exactly. So if you've had social anxiety before, that doesn't mean that it's disordered, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But individuals that it absolutely impairs their functioning, that's what would qualify. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. So social situations almost always provoke fear or anxiety. That's the C criterion. And in children, so there's a note. The fear or anxiety may be expressed by crying tantrums, freezing, clinging, shrinking, or failing to speak in social situations. 
I think that covers most of it. You ever been uh, afraid to speak in front of people? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. But um, I handled that by joining the speech and debate club. In high oh, school. really? Mm-hmm. So that's how you got to go over. So Which like is a- actually how we treat all phobia, all, all, really how we treat anxiety, period, but things like exposure. post-traumatic stress, right, and phobic responses we treat with exposure. So yeah. afraid of heights, jump out of a plane. I'm not there yet. Well, and, and then you have to like, do I really care if I'm afraid of heights or Well, not? that's another thing too. Is it impairing me? Yeah. No. Like, does it bother me that I'm not going to go to the top of the Empire State Building and look over the... No. No. It doesn't. It's not impacting my life in any way. Um, If I had to do research on the top of the Empire State Building, like, and I couldn't go up, that would be a problem. Yeah. But I don't. So, good, good news. All right. So... Our next disorder is panic disorder. And we talked a little bit in the first episode about panic attacks specifically. Um, so I'm not going to go through through that too, like too much again. Mm-hmm. Um, but for panic disorder, the A criterion is repeated unexpected panic attacks. And then panic attack, again, abrupt surge of intense fear or intense discomfort that reaches the peak within minutes, during which time... Um, at least four of the following symptoms occur palpitations, pounding heart or accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath or hmm. smothering, feelings of choking, chest pain or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, unsteady, lightheaded or faint, um, chills or heat sensations, numbing or tingling sensations. Uh, dissociation, so derealization, feelings of unreality or depersonalization, being hmm. detached from oneself, hmm. fear of losing control or going crazy, or fear of dying. Hmm. Okay. Um, at least one of the attacks has been followed by one month or more um, of one or both of the following. Persistent concern or worry about additional panic attacks or their consequences. So, like, for example, I'm going to have a panic attack and then lose control. Or I'm having a heart attack or I'm going crazy. Those are the thoughts. Um, Lots of people end up in the emergency room with panic attacks. I may have said that before. But because they feel like there's something happening with uh, uh, cardiac related. They think they're having a cardiac event. It's kind of like that that, that child experience that uh, you don't know how to communicate it. My my stomach hurts. Right, exactly. Uh, Well, and your heart is actually impacted because of the tremendous amount of adrenaline that surges through your endocrine system Mm. in response to the fear, the panic, right, that your experience, well, causes the fear, the 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 fight flight freeze response right um so you like your heart rate is absolutely being impacted it's not a hallucination yeah. you're not having a tactile hallucination and you think that your heart rhythm is no, shaking. no that it's actually on. happening mm-hmm. right so it can be very 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 scary and then you couple that with feeling like you can't breathe mm-hmm. right like somebody's sitting on your chest or somebody's smothering you or strangling you um, like you can't take in air hmm. enough to um, to slow your heart rate down, right? To calm yourself down. So hmm. it can be extremely terrifying. Hmm. And lots of people end up in the emergency room thinking they're having heart attacks, but that's not what's going on. Hmm. That's nuts. Okay. So um, panic disorder is a bunch of unexpected panic attacks mm-hmm. followed by at least one month or more of being worried that you're going to have another event or 
that you've made significant like maladaptive behavior changes to accommodate the anxiety so like um if you had your uh if, if you had like you have a panic attack your heart rate's going all crazy, all nuts. Um, and so now you're not exercising anymore because you don't want to do any kind of cardio to increase your heart rate to possibly trigger another event. Mm. Something like that. <clears throat> okay. So agoraphobia is next. You know about agoraphobia, Nick? Um, personally, by experience, no. Uh, but I think <laughs> of, uh, uh, and I bring this up in act one, um of this episode uh howard hughes i think of howard hughes every time that i um the um uh every time i hear agoraphobia because okay. howard hughes was an agoraphobic uh he had OC- for, for those of you who don't know who howard hughes is who is howard hughes nick uh well he was a, he was a record selling uh record setting pilot yeah. uh and a businessman an uh, eccentric billionaire yeah and uh actually leonardo dicaprio played a great howard hughes in Ed, the aviator which is a scorsese film Give, give that a watch. Uh-huh. Uh, you can see his OCD in there, and then all of a sudden it generate into I don't want to leave my house kind of thing. Yeah, like that. anxiety yeah. can be cumulative in that way for yeah. sure. Um, it's an underrated movie. I like The Aviator. I actually so. never saw it. Yeah. But I did know who Howard It's pretty good. Um, agoraphobia. Marked fear or anxiety about two or more of the following five situations. Number one, using public transportation. For example, automobiles, buses, trains, ships, planes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. That's a great movie. Um, it's one of my favorites. Two, being in open spaces. For example, parking lots, marketplaces, bridges. Three, being in enclosed places, shops, theaters, cinemas. Four, standing in line or being in a crowd. Five, being outside of the home alone. So the individual fears or avoids these situations because of thoughts that escape might be difficult or help might not be available in the event of developing panic-like symptoms or other incapacitating or embarrassing symptoms. For example, example, feel of fear of falling in the elderly or fear of incontinence. Hmm. Um, so agoraphobia kind of like classically um, was a really like fear of open spaces, like fear of leaving the house. But um, like you can see it's been separated from specific phobia hmm. into its own specific disorder hmm. with these specific tenants. Right? right. So it's not just this idea that like I'm out in open spaces and exposed. It's um, really any circumstance where you feel like you're out of control. Hmm. Right. Especially public transportation. Right. You're not the one driving or moving the train or bus or whatever it is that you're on. So hmm. there's a real control factor there. Um being in an open space or an enclosed space, like if you're in a parking lot by yourself, being it's vulnerability. Right. How vulnerable will I be? Right. I heard a strange story about agoraphobia about a particular musician. And I want to say it's the lead singer of Breaking Benjamin. If you, anybody uh, knows that band, Breaking Benjamin. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the van, uh, band, but they get... Is it, they, is it Benjamin or Benjamin? I don't know. Benjamin. Is it Benjamin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Like, or, uh, uh, like Benjamin, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> Breaking Benjamin, um, and they had a song called Diary of uh, Diary of uh, Jane. Um, I heard, I believe that this particular the lead singer uh, was agoraphobic, okay. uh, highly medicated, so he wouldn't be, I suppose, or he could cope. I Anxiety guess. medicine, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And what he would do when he wanted to write an album or write something was uh, not take his medication and bury himself inside of his house. And then he would come out with an album. Wow. <laughs> kind of thing. And I go, strange things that artists do. Right. Uh, I don't know how healthy that is because there could be a chance to where he just doesn't come out extremely again. Extremely unhealthy. Dangerous. Uh, I can comment on that. It is extremely This is unhealthy. why I kind of view it as an urban legend. But when you hear these things, you're like, what? what well, and there's that? a lot of stuff that is, I mean, yeah. there's that of an urban legendy feel to it. I mean, yeah. you look at. Like with musicians specifically, like Robert Plant and Led oh, Zeppelin yeah. and yeah. all the like psychedelic. I mean, people weird. get into weird states of mind. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's an anxious state of mind or, you know, a quote unquote enlightened state of mind yeah. through something like a psychedelic. Um, and then they create art. Right? That's why some of the best artists are uh they're crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I I hate to agree with you, but I totally do. Um, okay, so agoraphobia. Remember, it's not just the fear of open spaces, which is kind of what the pop culture, what the term has come to mean anyway in pop culture. Yeah. Um, generalized anxiety disorder. So this is probably the anxiety disorder that most people, um are familiar with uh have like either experienced aspects of it symptoms in the disorder themselves or witnessed people Hmm. close to them who've who've gone through it um it's and generalized anxiety disorder isn't doesn't refer to like a catch-all actually there are a couple of disorders that we're going to get to in just a second that are more so that um it it means that you have anxiety in a generalized sense, yes. like that you are generally anxious, right? Right. So the A criterion here is excessive anxiety and worry. So apprehensive expectation is how they define worry. Occurring more days than not for at least six months about a number of events or activities such as work or school performance. The anxiety, or excuse me, the individual finds it difficult to control the worry Hmm. The anxiety and worry are associated with three or more of the following six symptoms with at least some symptoms having been present for more days than not for the last six months. So in order to meet diagnostic criteria for this disorder Mm -hmm. for the last six months, at least more days than not, like a majority of those days, you must have been experiencing Hmm. at least three or more of these symptoms. Hmm. One restlessness or feeling keyed up or on edge, Mm -hmm. two, being easily fatigued, three, difficulty concentrating or your mind going blank, Mm. four, irritability, five, muscle tension, six, sleep disturbance, so that could be difficulty falling or staying asleep, or restlessness, um, unsatisfying sleep. Again, all this has to cause clinically significant distress. If you're not if it doesn't bother you that this stuff is going on, it's not a disorder, hmm. right? Um, so one of the things that happens a lot within this specific kind of anxiety is um, catastrophizing. So that's a really common cognitive distortion that happens here. And the example I like to give is um, I call my mom and she doesn't answer. Hmm. Instead of my first thought being oh, she's probably in the bathroom or her phone's not near her. She'll call me back. If I have a generalized, a generally anxious disposition and I tend to catastrophize, my response 
my first reflexive response might be, oh no, she's not answering. She's lying in a ditch dead somewhere yeah, or she's yeah. lying in a ditch dying somewhere. She needs my help and I can't get to her. Right. And from that platform, I spiral, right? right? Like, I mean, you can even imagine like how quickly your heart would start pounding, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, I think I've said this before too. I'll probably use this quote a lot. Mark Twain um, I've worried about a lot of things in my life, most of which never came to pass. So all of that anxiety is entirely around an imagined situation. I have literally no evidence to indicate that my mom is lying in a ditch somewhere and needs help. She just simply didn't answer her phone. Right. right, right. So it's like a worst case scenario that I jumped to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not good. Right. Yeah, and there are a lot of reasons that. why somebody might assume that the worst has happened we're not going to speak to those Mm. uh, even all of them so if there's trauma in somebody's history that that is informing that kind of a response you need to treat the trauma and then the anxiety goes Mm. away there you go um however constantly assuming that it's going to be the worst case scenario is a good indication that you're in a generally anxious state of mind right right? Mm -hmm. if that's my first thoughts when anything happens right that i when anything with a little bit of mystery like your mom not answering the phone so i hope that's helpful so our next disorder is substance medication induced anxiety disorder Hmm. um panic attacks or anxiety is the predominant clinical is the prominent symptom in the clinical picture. And there's evidence from history, physical examination or lab findings that um, anxiety developed during or soon after substance intoxication or withdrawal Mm -hmm. or after exposure to a medication Um, or it involved a substance. I'm sorry. And excuse me, it involved a substance that's actually capable of inducing that kind of a response. I would say so. Right. So um, if you, uh, this would be developing symptoms, disordered anxiety symptoms following the use of a substance or medication. Right. Right. I smoked weed and then I was generally anxious for the rest of my life. Right. right, right. Where I hadn't been before. That'd be very, very unlikely, by the way, but possible. Um, I'm trying to think of another um, stimulants. We treat um, attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. very frequently with stimulant medication. Essentially, it's just laboratory amphetamine. Um, and so that can, I've, I've actually seen people that who weren't generally anxious before start using stimulants in order to treat another disorder mm-hmm. and then develop anxiety mm-hmm. in response develop to anxiety. that. The stimulants wow. can, can mess with your anxiety in that Woo. way. I mean, you can speak to that in a different way, right, Nick? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I never took amphetamine. I took methamphetamine. Well, right. <laughs> and, uh, but, right. Uh, so, well, yeah, like same thing, right? Right. Um, and it paranoia, anxiety. Well, that that kind of um, uh, that kind of idolatry, and I will always call addiction uh, idolatry. That kind of idolatry produced a sense of paranoia in me, where I lived by the what ifs. So. Right. When my mom didn't answer, she was definitely dying in a ditch because right. what if? Right. Um, what if I get caught? What if I this? What mm-hmm. if I that? That's why a lot of uh, meth addicts will look through the blinds of their window. Who's out there? Who's watching me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to be preemptive about this so I can catch it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And that way, if I, I see them coming, it's like Jesse Pinkman, you know what I mean? Looking out his window. <laughs> in Breaking Bad. In Breaking Bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, we, you know, uh, 
you know, meth addicts t- tend to do that kind of thing. Well, so meth amphetamine is a stimulant, yeah. and um, well, uh, we do our series on um drug addiction. We'll talk about the actual like neurochemistry, the, what's actually involved in stimulation. What we mean when I say stimulant, but um, it they can absolutely increase anxiety and paranoia. Right. And that stuff didn't just roll off when you stopped uh, doing oh, right. uh, drugs yes. too as well because it creates a, a trauma. I mean, it can, uh, a, a staple marker on your mind to you've seen some stuff predicated upon your anxiety, right? You got yourself into situations because you perceive the world uh, wrongly or your reality uh, in a wrong way. And then all of a sudden, you still see those things. You mean you, when you're using? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you stop, but you end up still seeing those things or things that remind you of those things. Yeah. Well, um, and if you're a longtime user of something and you develop yeah. behavior patterns, yes. just because you remove the substance doesn't mean that you're going to, rem- like, that automatically those behavior patterns are going anywhere right away. It's a, it's a very good way to put it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what I experienced, uh, uh, you know, coming out of drug addiction and uh, really had to battle that in some ways still do. Yeah. yeah. Residual, like a hangover effect only. It's much, much longer than, you know, t- Mm. 24 hours mm-hmm. um okay so under like substance induced uh, substance medication induced anxiety disorder you have to specify what substance it is so mm-hmm. i'm not going to go through all of them but like alcohol caffeine cannabis that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so we we're at the end of our anxiety disorders um we've got t- two more that are kind of like we said um I guess technically three more. We've got anxiety disorder due to another medical condition. Again, panic attacks or anxiety is the predominant part of the clinical picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it's not, it's, it is explained as a, like occurring during the course of another medical condition. And mm-hmm. you're supposed to name the condition. So, um, uh, the example that the DSM gives is uh, anxiety disorder due to pheochromocytoma, which is, I'm going to guess, some kind of cancer. I'm yeah. really sure. Um, I hope I even pronounced that right. If you've got any MDs or DOs in the audience, like, please feel free to correct me. Um, so the idea is, like, I'm really anxious, and it's the result of this other medical condition. Condition. Condition isn't a word. Condition. And you're right. I mean, it's a rare tumor that usually starts in the cells of one of your adrenal glands. Yeah. So there you go. Anything with mm. the toma at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So our last two anxiety disorders are really the catch-all category. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got other specified anxiety disorder and then unspecified anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. For other specified anxiety disorder, um, this is this specific disorder applies to presentations in which symptoms characteristic of an anxiety disorder that cause clinically significant distress or impairment um, dominate, but they do not meet full criteria for any of the disorders. So maybe you have only two of the three required anxiety symptoms under generalized anxiety disorder. Hmm. So you don't meet diagnostic criteria for that disorder. But you would meet diagnostic criteria for other specified right. anxiety disorder. Makes sense. And you are supposed to specify what, um, uh, like ex- essentially what your what the presentation looks like. So limited symptom attacks, 
generalized anxiety not occurring more days than not. So like, what if you have, you're generally more anxious, but that only happens a minority of the time rather than a majority of it. Okay. And then unspecified anxiety disorder. So this is, this is a category that applies to uh, presentations where you've got symptoms of an anxiety disorder, but they don't meet diagnostic criteria for any of the other disorders. Right. Right. And when the clinician doesn't want to specify what's like, what kind of anxiety it is. Right. Right. So actually each, um, category within the DSM, each class of disorder has two disorders at the end, right? Like this unspecified anxiety disorder, unspecified depressive disorder. So you're going to, when, as we continue to go through, um, different topics, you'll see that that occurs and they've included those two categories essentially for all the things that don't fit. Right. Exactly. The criteria for the other disorders. Is the insurance something? So, um, I know that was a lot of information. There definitely won't be a test on this. Um, but I hope it was helpful. Uh, you know, what, so what do we say to people? You know, what's what's the, so what of it is Jeff Durbin always says, right? So, I mean, I mean, in a biblical worldview, uh, these, these things become meaningful without a biblical worldview. They're just something that happens. And why do you even need to get treated in the first place other than it makes you uncomfortable and you don't like it? Um, We've seen the uh, disorders predicated upon biological anomalies, and that is predicated upon we live in a fallen world and have fallen faculties. Um, And we can now, through the wonders of medicine and science uh, gifted to us by God, can help with these things um, in whatever avenue that person needs to go. But then we also see the sinful Right. Uh, side of this the things that we can toss ourselves into a disorder predicated upon uh, trusting the lord idolatry uh, you know worshiping other things that we shouldn't worship um not gaining wisdom um i you know it, one of the best remedies for anxiety when i'm experiencing any of that is psalms and proverbs mm-hmm. um and to start analyzing what am i when am i really perceiving uh, i i i Sometimes I have a really bad social anxiety uh, to where I think everybody's looking at me like I was that kid uh, again uh, in elementary school getting picked on kind of thing. Yeah. Not to say that there's a little kid living inside me. I don't believe that. (laughs) I'm just saying that was a traumatic thing. And sometimes I have to go, no, they're not doing that. Right. Um, I mean, well, it's not technically trauma, but it it was very impactful. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and so the so what of those things – um, are really what is the meaning of these things and how do you substantiate any kind of meaning on this? With the Lord, these are meaningful. And he actually can see deeper than what the DSM can go into or what uh, your your typical counselor or pastor yeah. can go into. And to know his sovereignty, just like, I mean, even something as small and silly as messing up the part two of the episode. Oh, right. We thought, I mean, really, I mean, anybody can just go, ah, man, we just got to record it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we did. But our first thought was, Okay, Lord, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you know, um, right. and you broaden that into every category. It's the same remedy in every category uh-huh. kind of thing. And it's very hard predicated upon, you know, and there's that word, right? Predicated upon. We need, we need uh, to do like a full <laughs> t-shirt line, hashtag predicated. Yeah, yeah. That's Nick's word. Nick is, Nick's word is predicated. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, so it, uh, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, Predicated upon our trust uh, in the Lord or uh, what we're dealing with and what we're not doing, what we're doing kind of thing. 
uh, that we can actually produce these things. You can totally tell I just forgot about exactly what I was saying right now. So, like, a lot of the, we're not, this isn't therapy. Um, If you are struggling with anxiety, talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Go talk to your pastors. Talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Go talk to a counselor, mm-hmm. a Christian counselor. Go talk to a Christian counselor. Um, One of the first stops. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm really an adamant on everything overflowing from the church. Yeah. Um, and get into a biblical church right. with a biblical pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, it's easy for us to say that behind the mic. You know, it, us being reformed, we would know that what that looks like. And I'm not saying that if you're not reformed, you don't know what it looks like. I'm just saying. Sometimes you don't know if you're in a church that is actually following the Bible kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, you hear like a Tony Robbins speech every Sunday and nothing is happening. Sure. You know what I mean? Because you're not, you know, right. uh, being Well, you're fed. not being discipled well yeah. or you're not being fed well. Right. And you can and discern those things. Start opening up the word of yeah, God in prayer as the foundation to start off with uh-huh. um, and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I would guarantee you your steps will be directed mm-hmm. into the right areas that you right. need to go to. Um, I, I can promise that because Jesus promises that in Matthew six. Right. So. If you are, um, I, I guess, re- you know, remember, and this will be like kind of a good way to, to close it up. Um, God promises two things to us. He promises himself and he promises suffering mm-hmm. really, truly, ultimately we can, I'm, I'm being, um, I'm being kind of, uh, kitschy, but if we break down what God tells us through his word, those two things are really the theme, right? Mm-hmm. We get him and we get the suffering of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. So we're not called to avoid suffering. And this doesn't mean that if you are like suffering with crippling anxiety, that you are destined to live there. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, we're all. not just saying buck up kids suffer. No, no, right. no, yeah. no, no, no. Please seek help. Please seek help. Um, don't, you know, don't get like lost in the trap of believing that this is only about lack of faith and so therefore like you're in some kind of deserved punishment that's not what's going on all right and it might be that you need to be exercising more faith but seek help Um, and 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 sometimes you you may need to take a rebuke on you know what i mean like if you're doing something sinful Mm -hmm. and it's generating these anxiety like if you're talking to (laughs) someone I remember counseling people and uh, I'm, I'm going to use superficial words. I didn't really use these words. And it's like, uh, uh, they kept stealing things, uh-huh. right? They just kept stealing things. And I'm like, I feel like a loser. And I feel like this. And I feel like that. And I go, okay, well, are you those things? And they go, well, I steal a lot. And I go, <laughs> that's usually comes with the territory. Right, somebody right, right. <laughs> right. You know mm. what I mean? I'm like, maybe if we stop stealing things, mm-hmm. you might. Right. Sometimes the yeah. answer is just that obvious. Right. Yes. And then other times, like there might be like a sin issue that isn't obvious. It, right. Exactly. And that's where talking to somebody, oh um, talking to multiple somebody is processing, not suffering silently or suffering alone. Right. Um, now, what we also are not saying is that if you read your Bible, all your anxiety is going to go away. No, we're not saying that either. Um, and Same I mean, that's, it's laugh. It's really laughable. It's communing with the Lord. When we do that, right. it's not like this magical thing comes down and you have peace. I've no. said, amen. But what and, we do in yeah. that is we take our focus off of the anxiety yeah. and place it back where it belongs, which is on Christ. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I've said the amen 
and it got worse. Oh yeah. You know why? You know mm-hmm. uh, because I I really was going into the prayer expecting something, and then coming out of the prayer <laughs> not meeting my expectations. Right. But through the Word of God, I started to um, get a a better perspective on His sovereignty. And though I was suffering, I still was able to have a joy available. And sometimes all I needed was just to understand the gospel. I mean, I I remember just. Just being so, I'll, I'll be personal. I, I just remember being so angry because of my singlehood that I oh, have yeah. right now. Just mm-hmm. so angry. And I'm not going to go deep into the story. There's other categories attached with it. But then I read Romans 9, or excuse me, uh, Isaiah 9, uh-huh. um, talking about he's given joy to the nations and a child to us is born. And I'm sitting there and I'm still angry reading it. And I go, wait, hold on a minute. This is my salvation right. that I'm reading here. Mm-hmm. I'm reading about Christ. And I'm angry. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong where I cannot delight mm-hmm. in eternal life. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the healing started taking place. Yeah. That's when I repented. And I'm like, oh, right. my goodness. It was I wasn't <laughs> delighting in my salvation whatsoever. Right. And it was causing me a wreck. And then all the other issues got addressed as I walked and talked and uh, went to church and prayed. And it didn't happen overnight. Right. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I trusted the Lord's sovereignty uh, that it to I he would deliver me in the ways that I needed and I was okay with the rest. Right. Yeah. So um and the I re- I'm glad you yeah, I'm really glad you shared that. There um I pray a lot when I'm anxious. The and the, I read my Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Um I worship alone and with my family. I pray by myself and I pray corporately. Those things help me. And when any of those things like fall off or slack, I can feel it. Um, Those are some of the things that have helped like me personally. Um, And there are lots of other things that you can do to help help yourself with anxiety. So go talk to somebody if you're anxious. Um, Get yourself checked out physically. It's possible that there's some physical cause, right, to what's going on. And, And let me exhort the saints that realize that somebody else has anxiety. Right be a neighbor to them as sure. well and be understanding. I'm not talking about that you have to relate or you have to immerse yourself yourselves in their pain. I'm saying well, and you suffer don't, with them. Right. You, you know? don't condone sinful behavior either. Right. We're exactly. called to hold each other accountable and to be to speak the love and truth. Speak the truth, excuse me, in love. Exactly. Galatians six says, let's carry each other's uh, uh, each other's burdens. Right. But it right. also t- says take heed lest you be enticed by their own sin. Kind right. of thing like that. Right. So sometimes carrying the burden for somebody means telling him to knock it off right and be so bold enough and i i've have relationships where it's so easy for me to actually rebuke my friend and go hey knock that off and where it's not because i know how they react and whoo i mean that's right. easy i know that you have those things in your life where it's easier to talk to somebody than not and right they're both doing things wrong one person receives it one person hates you right but better are the right. blows of a friend than the kisses of an enemy uh-huh. so, yeah so um yeah we we hope that this has been interesting, beneficial. Uh, we hope you look forward to more really in-depth uh, series in the future on specific anxiety um, topics, anxiety disorders, um, different areas of anxiety. Um, and yeah, so come back. Come back next week just, or two weeks from now. And just keep in mind, in this life, you will have many trials and tribulations, but take heart. He has overcome the world. Amen. And no phantom pictures. Ha, ha, ha.